Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Praise God we have him. Amen? Amen. Praise God it's, we're in his name. Praise God he is God and he is Lord and he has given us great and powerful promises. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand and we'll worship. Father, we come before you this morning and we do praise you, Lord, because it's through your name. It's because of you that we survive. It's because of you that we thrive. Thank you, Lord, that you call us by your name. And all the promises are yes and amen. Father, as we worship you this morning, may you be glorified in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. As the ushers are finishing up receiving the offering, I want to read again the psalm that I began the service with because it, uh, it's very good, obviously. It's the Word of God, but it's also very appropriate to where we are today. Psalm chapter 124, turn there if you can. Psalm chapter 124, beginning with verse 1 said, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Um, during worship, I actually had a question that just went through my mind real quick, and I was meditating on it as we continued to worship. And I believe I'm supposed to ask this question. I'm supposed to, it's supposed to, it, it is going to set up where we're headed today in this sermon. Um, if, if you could have been one of Gideon's soldiers before... The, the actual battle. I mean, we've read the story. We know how it ends at the end. But if you could have been one of Gideon's soldiers before he started to sort them out, would you have been one of the 300 left? Now, remember the story. The story was the Amalekites and the Midianites had overrun the land. They had overrun it. They had overrun it so much that they had taken all of the resources. They had taken all of the food, all of the cattle, all the sheep. They had overrun everything. And they had, they had you know, like, like locusts, they, were, they had taken over the land and they had used up all the resources. Uh, Gideon, when the angel found Gideon, he was actually in a wine press trying to thresh wheats. He found some grain and he, and he was working the grain, trying to get something to eat just for himself, but he was hiding while he was doing it because he, he was afraid if they saw him, they would take that too. And the, the angel said, oh, mighty warrior. And he looked around, well, what are you talking about? Who are you talking to? Oh, mighty warrior. And he says, you're going to defeat the Midianites. You're going to defeat the Amalekites. And he's like, Me? Oh yeah, you, you and the people of Israel. Us? Yeah, I'm the least of the least. 
I'm the, I'm the smallest of the smallest of the smallest. You're not talking to me, right? And, and God kept, you know, the, the angel kept talking to him, kept encouraging him, told him, this is what you need to do. Gideon then actually did it. That's the cool thing. And that's really the takeaway of this whole day. He actually did it. He took the word of the Lord and he acted upon it. He did what God told him to do. That is the key. I'll give you the key right up front. If you want to leave, go ahead and go, because that's the key. He actually did it. He actually did what God told him to do. So then he goes and he takes his men. Do you know how many men he started out with? 30,000 men. 30,000 men. Do you know how many Amalekites and Midianites there were? 300,000. They said at one point when they looked across the valley, they couldn't see ground. You know, okay, we're a little overwhelmed here. There's a flood coming. The Amalekites and the Midianites are coming. There's a flood, and it's going to overtake us. It's going to wipe us out if, we don't, if, if something doesn't happen. And God says, you're the answer. You're the one who's going to do it. So he's got 30,000 men. He goes, he's calculating, well, if each man could kill 10 people... We might have a chance here. Now some of you are going to fall at the beginning, so some of you are going to kill 25. But you do the math, it doesn't work, does it? Okay? So he, he, he's at the brook, they're, they're getting ready, he's, he's charging up the men, he's giving them the pep talk, and God speaks to him and says, well, wait a second, yeah, you got too many guys. You got too many people. It's, it's not going to work. What you need to do is if anybody's afraid to go, now's the time to go. Guys, how many of you need to leave? A 30,000 men. How many of you folks, if you want to go home, you go right ahead. And two thirds said, whoa, sweet, good, see you later. And went home. Which left 10,000 men. You started doing the math. Now we're up to 30. You're going to have to kill each of the 30 men here. Well, we have, the, we have David's men of old who were, you know, killed a thousand men, you know, Samson with a job. We have all those stories. Okay, 10,000 men. Great, let's do this. We can do this. Let's go sharpen up your swords. Let's go. God says, no, you still have too many. Do this. Called out some more. Do this. Called out some more. Ends up he's got 300 men. Each one of you are going to have to kill a thousand men. It's a little overwhelming. Now we know the story. We know how it ends. But how many of you would have liked to have been one of the 300? It's overwhelming. It is absolutely overwhelming where we find ourselves in life, where we find ourselves in history. Buddy just said it. We used to be a nation where the majority was Christian. It was it was looked down upon to not be a Christian. Those numbers have changed. 
those numbers have changed. The purpose and the plan of God is not to save a nation. The purpose and plan of God is to save individual, every individual person. And our focus must be that. But we look around and the, and the numbers are small. I don't know about you, but I am really excited to be among the minority. I'm really excited to be among the remnant. That phrase, the remnant, has been stirring in my spirit all week, the remnant. Being a numbered, being a part of the remnant. God can do amazing, amazing, powerful things with the remnant. Because none of the remnant can ever say it was me. Not one of Gideon's men could say, I, I, was a, I did that. No, they all just did what he said to do. And watched them all kill each other. Not one of those guys had to kill anybody. Do the math. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? We've been talking about healing. This all ties together. We've been talking about healing. We've been starting out laying a foundation. The foundation we had to lay out is, God, does God want to heal? Does, is that His plan? Is that His purpose? Does He want to do that? And the answer is, Yes. The answer is, God is good. And every good and perfect gift comes from Him. There is no darkness in Him. There is no shadow. There's nothing that even looks like darkness. So anything that is darkness, anything that is of the curse, is not from God. God does not kill. Still have some theology that's tugging at you, doesn't it? I'm telling you, God does not kill. Jesus said, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. I know, the argument goes, well, what about in the Old Testament? God said to go in and kill everybody. Or he sent an angel and they killed everybody. Or he did this and he... Yes, that was the Old Testament. It was the only way he could deal with sin. It was the only way he could deal with, with the, the curse. It was the only way he could deal. When Jesus came, it changed. And he says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Now there's still death. We still fight against death. Death still tries to take us. It still tries to destroy us. It still tries to kill us. But it's not coming from God. It does not come from God. It is not His plan. He doesn't use it to teach you something. He doesn't do it to, to save you from something. He, doesn't do, he does not use death. I am doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on this. Mark my words. Put it in the newspaper. I don't care what you do. Put it on the wall. God does not kill. He brings life. He has redeemed us from the curse. And it is the curse 
that brings death. We have to be convinced of that. Otherwise, we will never reach the potential. Never reach the potential. Not once, not a single time in Jesus' ministry did he ever say, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. No, I'm going to kill you. You're healed, you're healed, you're healed. It was always healing. It was always blessing. It was always life. He says, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. I'm showing you how to do this so that you can then do it. And then he gives the people the authority. He gives the believer the authority to do what he did. God is good. He revealed himself in both the Old and the New Testament as the healer. Last week, we talked about faith. What is faith? I had the boxes up here. I wanted to keep the boxes up here as a reminder, uh, but the church that meets afterwards thought it looked too messy and they moved them. So, God bless them. You'll have to remember what it looked like. I had three chairs, then we had three boxes. Two big guys sat on the empty boxes. They, they put their hope in something that I never said was going to hold them up, and they sat on it and, and it broke. And then I, I told Ricky... I set it up. I made it possible that that middle box is going to hold you up. And she sat on it, and it held her up. And it held the two big guys, and it held Pastor Greg, it held Tommy, it held... It would have held a bunch of you. Now, I, I dented it a little bit, so that tells you how dense I am, okay? I'm just very thick here. But, faith is not... Putting your faith in the object or in the chair or in the box. Faith is putting your trust and your, your hope and your belief in the person who set up the chair. Who made the chair. Who made the box. That he did his homework. He did what he's... God said, don't put your hope and your faith in healing. And, and let's just make it clear. It's not just healing. It's prosperity. It's, it's provision. It's, it's protection. It's all the promises. I mean, we're focusing on healing right now. But this same process, everything we talk about, works for anything God says. Anything that he has said to us. He said, he said, I shall supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. We can trust him in that. Not because I have the money in my pocket, but because I trust him who said that's what he would do. He revealed himself as the healer. Don't trust healing. Don't put your faith in healing. Put your faith in God. Because he's the healer. He is good. He's revealed himself. In the Old Testament he said, I am Jehovah Rapha. He called himself Jehovah Jireh. He called himself Jehovah Zitkanu. He, he called himself many names. He revealed his character. He revealed who he was by what he said, call me this. He says, I'm Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha means the God who heals you. He said, I am the God who heals you. And he healed them. They walked in healing. 
They experienced healing. They experienced the power of God in the Old Testament, pre-Jesus, pre-Holy, you know, Holy Spirit filling him, filling everyone. And then when Jesus came, he healed. And Peter says, he says, by his stripes you were healed. He identified Jesus as the healer. So when we put our hope and trust and our faith in him, he saves us from death. He saves us from hell, but he also saves us from the curse. He's redeemed us from the curse. He has said, I am the God who heals you. He's revealed it. He has said that. I didn't say it. I did because I'm only quoting what he said. And we need to put our trust in him. Because he's God. It says there's no shadow of changing with him. He's not going to change his mind halfway through the game. That'd be unfair. If the, if the, if the Packers, because they're the only ones on today, if the Packers are halfway through the game, and who are they playing? Oh, the dreaded Cowboys. The dreaded Cowboys. And halfway through the game, they, they pull on the, the, the quarterback's, or they pull on the, the lineman's jersey, and they, they, they hold him back. And the, the Packers get a flag for holding and then the next play, they hold again and they throw a flag. The referee throws the flag. But in the second half, Dallas just grabs everybody's shirt and holds them back and the refs go, the Packer fans would be yelling, foul! That's not fair! God doesn't change halfway through the game. The rules don't change. They, they, he, didn't, he isn't going to go, you know, I've been a healer up to this point, but now we're in the end days. Now we're in the end days, so I, you know, I'm going to stop doing that for you now. No, it's his character. It's who he is. He is the God who heals us. He didn't, he didn't look, you know, go, go through time and in, in the Old Testament had to heal them because they needed to be healed. He, he didn't go through the prophets and the prophets healed people. Uh, you know, leprosy, all kinds of examples where they healed somebody. Uh, got to Jesus and Jesus healed everybody who came around. Whoever was around had faith, he healed them. The disciples in Acts, they kept healing people. Right on through. And then we had doctors. We had, we, a male clinic got it set up and God goes, whew, don't have to do that anymore. You guys take care of it. You got a hospital in every county, every state, every city. Oh gosh, okay, I'm done healing, guys. Good luck with that. See you later. Because now we have knowledge. Praise God for doctors. Absolutely, praise God for doctors. Yeah, doctors are the reason Deb's here and God. Many of you have had to, had had surgery. Yeah, okay, in that moment of need, you needed a doctor. But as we get more and more revelation, I'm going to tell you, we're going to see more and more miracles. Not because God decided, okay, well, maybe I'll start doing it again. He always could do it. But we weren't there. I wasn't, when, 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 I, when Deb got sick and when, when, well, she didn't get sick, she got pregnant. Okay, that's a, there's a big difference there. Ethan was not a disease. He was a blessing, all right. But when... When she got pregnant, I was in a place where I, I wasn't ready to believe in, no, absolutely not, this will not happen to you, she is healed. I wasn't, I was in a place where I was like, I don't, okay, I'll take whatever it takes, I'll take whatever it takes, that's what we'll do. We're all there, we all, we've all experienced that. 
But as we grow, as we, as we walk more in the, the understanding, we get more revelation, we will see more and more miracles. Not because he's all of a sudden started doing it again. He always wanted to do it. It's because we're changing. We're growing. We are maturing in our faith. So he revealed himself as the healer. He wants to heal you. God is sovereign. He is sovereign. He has declared he wants to heal you. In his sovereignty, he said, he said the answer is, I heal you. It isn't in his sovereignty, well, we'll take a chance. I don't know how God feels today. He can do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. Yeah, he can. He actually can do. That is a true statement. And he's already decided, I want to heal you. We have to believe that. We have to accept that. We have to trust him that that's how he set it up. He said, I, want, I am the healer. I want to heal. I will heal you. I showed you through Jesus I want to heal. Now sit on the box. Trust me to sit on the box. To put your faith not in the box, but because God said, you sit on the box, it's going to hold you up. It is his will. Jesus made provision at the cross for healing, his stripes. We can access healing by all of the promises by faith. We started talking about faith last week. What is faith? Faith is, like I've been saying over and over again, but I, keep, I want to keep repeating it so that it gets way down deep inside of us. Faith is not hoping the box holds us up. It's taking the, the one who made the box, who put the box up there, who designed the box so that it would work, trusting that, that individual so much that you trust them that what they, what they said is true. And then acting on it. I could have told Ricky to sit down. Trust me, Ricky. I put the box. I made sure it, moved, it was going to hold you up. I put something inside that will be more than, more than strong enough to hold you. She had already witnessed two boxes collapsing. So she could have thought, ugh. She goes, well, you know what? I do trust you. I trust you, but I'm not going to sit down. So I could have set the box up. I could have made everything the way it was supposed to be. I could have promised her on my character, on the way her, our relationship that it was going to hold her up. And she could have gone, you know what? I absolutely believe you, but I'm not going to sit down. We do that too, don't we? I trust you, God, to supply all my needs according to your riches and glory, but I'm not going to actually do something that puts me into a position where I'm going to have to act upon that. We do that. We're human. That's not faith. Believing it's not faith. Acting upon it putting your weight in into that trust is faith okay i'm going to believe the one who created it i'm going to actually sit down and not like that's why ricky i you know she sits down so gingerly like (laughs) kind of leans on it no sit on that thing jump on it okay i probably she she wasn't going to jump on it all right but you sit on it and you lift your feet you lift you go beyond you okay I'm sitting down and I am trusting you because you're God and I trust your word. I'm going to trust you. That is faith. When you lift the feet, when you you put all of your weight onto it. Faith is the complete, total, absolute belief and trust that God is able to do what he said he would do. 
that's what we've talked about over the last month and a half. That was the, that was the recap to get everybody up to speed. So, how do we have faith? How do we have faith? It's one thing to say, well, I have faith. How many of you have bought the book or found the book online, Real Faith by Charles Price? Good. A good number of you. If you haven't done it, quick, hurry. What are you waiting for? It's a very inexpensive book. How many of you found it online for free? There's a number of you found it. There's PDFs out there. Google uh, uh, Real, Real Faith by Charles Price, and there are PDFs. It's on our website. My goodness, people, find the book. It's on our website. You can go follow the link, download it, onto something, read it. You can print it. I don't know how many pages it'd be, but we, you can get it easily. In Real Faith, in his book, he talks about faith, obviously. No, really, he does, yeah. No, I see it, yep, I see it. Now, he said... In the places where Jesus said, you weren't healed or you didn't experience this because of your lack of faith, so little faith. Why? How did he know that? How did he know they didn't have, and how dare he tell them they didn't have enough faith? Who does he think he is telling anyone they don't have enough? How, that is so rude. That is so judgmental to tell somebody you don't have enough faith. How did he know they didn't have enough faith? Sorry? They didn't get what they were hoping for. Exactly. If you have the faith, Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain move and it'll move. So if you told the mountain to move and it didn't move, what did you not have? You must not have had any faith. Because he's talking about a mustard seed. How many of you have ever seen a mustard seed? I used to weed beans as a kid, you know, in the fields. And mustard seed. I hated mustard plants. You ever seen them? Ever seen, uh, must, mustard plants can get great big stalks in them, and you'd actually have to pull them out. And then, oh, I hated those things. You'd see the mustard. You'd be walking along, weeding the little weeds, and then all of a sudden there's this mustard. Bleh, and there are big honking stalks. And, and the seeds are almost unseeable. They're so tiny. He said, if you even had that much faith, you could tell the mountain to move and it would do it. So if you don't move the mountain, you don't have the faith. It's that simple. Now, how do you operate in faith? What is it that you have to do? How do you actually do it? We can talk about all we want. We can describe it all we want. We can actually define it all we want. But if you don't do it, we're wasting our time. And we cannot please God unless we have faith. Unless we live by faith. So how do we do it? All right. You will have the answer before we leave here today. I guarantee it. First question. What is the difference between hope and faith? I've given you everything this morning it, through, the, through the first part, through this middle part. What is the difference between hope and faith? action. That is absolutely right. I can sit here and I say, I hope that chair holds me up. I hope it does. I wish I hope. I hope it to hope it does. Boy, it'd be nice if that thing would hold me up because I'm really tired. I want to sit down. I hope it does. Okay. 
It's hope until you sit on the chair. The moment you sit down on the chair and you lift your feet up and you relax, you're not in faith. You're not doing something. You're not putting your faith into action. Faith is not a ooey-wooey substance that floats around in the air that somehow may affect something by chance. No, it is an action. Who is the one who does the action? Each of us. Exactly. I can't have faith for you. I can tell you to do something. Steve, go sit on this chair. You don't have to, just relax. Steve, go sit on the chair. I could tell him to go do it because I, I have faith that's going to hold him up and he hopes it holds him up because he doesn't want to fall like those two other guys did last week. But until he gets up, walks up there and sits on it, he doesn't have faith. He probably has a lot of knowledge. Hey, I know that uh, one inch square steel bent that way, welded around, welded around the corners really well. Yeah? Welded really good. That'll hold me up. I have the knowledge. Yeah, that'll work. But until he gets up, it's still not faith. He could understand engineering. He could understand design. He could understand metallurgy. He could have all this understanding, but until he sits on that thing, it's not faith. So you can believe everything the Bible says about healing. You can believe that God is the healer. You believe that he, he said that it's his plan to heal. He, he just he, Everything that he's ever said from Genesis to Revelation about healing, I believe it. But you do not have faith until you say, I am putting all my weight on his words. That is faith. So, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. The faith chapter. I mean, don't have to go too far to go right to the source here. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hope. I hope that chair holds me up right now. Because this whole sermon hinges on the fact that this chair is going to hold me up right now. I have broken chairs in the past. I've broken them in many countries. I've broken them in in different situations. Everything. I am hoping that chair holds me up. I'm hoping holds me up it's i'm hoping i'm hoping uh, i have faith do you really john do you really have faith no because this is i'm hoping i'm hoping i'm hoping i can do what ricky did i'm hoping sorry ricky i'm just picking on you today faith 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 Faith. Come here, Dennis. <laughs> is, it the, is it the way I said it? Or because you don't have faith? It's the way I said it. Come here, Debbie. Come here, Debbie. Yep. Oh, come on. Tally. Come on. T- yeah, there we go. Woo. Run, 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 run. Do you, do you trust me, Tally? Sometimes. Do you have faith that I'm going to tell you to sit on my lap, that I have faith in this chair, sit on my lap. I wanted Dennis to do this because it would have been a lot funnier, but (laughs) are you glad you didn't come up here, Dennis? (laughs) See, now, now Tally put her faith not in 
me, but she put her faith because she saw what happened when I put my faith in it. When I put my faith in it, it held me up. And then she trusts me that I've already calculated that her very tiny frame, (laughs) tally means little girl. We did that because both, I am very huge, and Deb is taller than most women. And we were thinking our children are going to be large people. (laughs) And we were hoping that she would be very short and, you know, not very short, but just the right perfect height. Sorry, you're going to be over six foot. I'm sorry. It's just the way things are going to be. But she put her faith in me that I'm not going to, I'm not going to put her into danger. Trust me, Tally, sit on my lap. And here we, that's faith. Look at, she even crossed her legs. That is so, it's not like she can catch herself if we start to fall. She's not making plan B, is she? Scary when we don't make plan B. And wait a second, it's not even, that doesn't make any sense. Why would we not make plan B? Because if you make plan B, you don't really, you haven't lifted your feet yet. Thank you. Big hand for Tally. Faith is the substance, actually putting into action things hoped for. It is the evidence, the evidence of things not yet seen, or the assurance of things not yet seen. Verse 2, For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. How many, well, see, I'm not going to go there. I could go that direction. I'm not going to. By faith, verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. What did Abel do? That one, you know, it's, this is one of those stories. It's all, I've always wondered, what did he do? It, it, what, why is it? Was it because he offered a lamb rather than vegetables? Because that was what would have happened. Abel brought uh, a lamb. Cain brought his crops, vegetables, corn, whatever it was. Was it because of what he actually brought? Was it because he, uh, what, of what the quality of what he brought? I don't know. We, we don't have that saying. But what we know in the retrospect is whenever God said, I want you to bring an offering, it wasn't vegetables. There was a grain offering, but that was, that was above and beyond. That was something else. For the forgiveness of sins, it was a lamb. Abel put his faith that, okay, I'm going to do it the way you want me to do it. And he, and he listened, and then he did it. He obeyed and did it. Now, Cain listened and said, God wants an offering. All right, I'll bring him an offering. This is who I am. I'm going to bring what I want to bring because that's what... I, I believe it's because of the obedience to do it the way he said to do it that he received the accommodation. He did something. Abel did what God told him to do. He trusted God that that's what he needed to do. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. What pleases God? Faith. Faith, please. Believing God at his word. 
So I don't know exactly what Enoch did, but whatever he did, he believed God and acted upon it. That's faith. He acted upon what God told him. He acted upon what God told him to do. And in that, he was taken and has not yet experienced death. By faith, or uh, verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he was commended, or condemned, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. God said, build an ark. He did it. He obeyed. Now, faith, faith has different outcomes. Faith has different outcomes. When, um, when Abel had faith and operated and, and obeyed God, what was the outcome? And I'm not talking about the, kill, the being killed part. It pleased God. The outcome is it was, and the, all of these will please God, but there are the, there's the outcome of God was just pleased with him. There didn't seem to be any other reward that came with it. It's just that God was pleased with him. Nothing happened. He just did, okay? So then Enoch, he pleased God because of faith, and what was his outcome? God took him away, and he, didn't, he has not experienced death yet. Okay, so that's a different outcome. It's different than, because Abel did experience death. So it was a different experience. And it, it doesn't say how quickly he took him away or whatever, Enoch, but at some point he just took him away. Then you get to Noah, and Noah did what God said, and he received the reward, but he didn't receive it for 120 years. Abraham believed God, and it says it was accredited to him as righteousness. He put his faith in the word of God, believing that he was going to have a son. And he waited 25 years. So we have faith, we put our faith in what God says, and if it doesn't happen by noon, then God must not be faithful. God, God's, God's word must not work. It doesn't matter what you're having faith for. I'm having faith for, name something. Uh, no, let me name it because I don't want to get weird stuff. Um, I'm having... I'm having faith that my toe is no longer numb. Amen. I am. I'm, I'm speaking to my toe. I have the, the very top of my toe. Now I'm thinking, I remember a day when I dropped some shampoo on it. You ever dropped a big bottle of full shampoo on your foot? I remember doing that. I'm going, well, I wonder if that's what caused the damage. I don't know. But, I, I'm a, I, my, but my big toe is just numb about an inch by an inch on the top of my foot. I'm not sure why, but, it, but it's like that's not the way it's supposed to be. I'm believing for it to be healed. Now, I've been praying. I've been speaking to my toe for two years. It doesn't listen? <laughs> is that what I heard? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Is it healed? I believe it is healed. Now, it's still numb. It's less numb than it was two years ago. Does that mean, does that, mean that, well, that's just the natural healing process? I don't care. But I believe God says, I am healed. Whether it takes one second or 20 years. That's not up to me. See, that's the thing. It's not up to me. I don't get to dictate that. God, I want you to do this this way now. Right now, I don't want to wait two minutes. I don't want to wait five years. I don't want to wait. I want it to happen right now. I want, uh, and, I, and, and, and many people I know are believing for their children to be saved and their family. God, I want my children saved this week, okay? This week, I want them to walk completely in your, and, and when the week goes out and they're still as much of a heathen as they were to begin the week, see, God's not faithful. The Word of God doesn't work. Never mind. You stand back up. Right? It's not faith. That's not faith. These stories, the, the Word of God is full of faith stories. The Gideon story we talked about. The, 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 all these different stories. And they all have different outcomes. But they all happened the way God said they were going to happen. The promise of Jesus took 4,000 years to work out. Does that mean that God couldn't do it for four? He could have done it day one. But he wanted to do it a certain way to make it work a certain way. In his sovereignty, he decided this was... But Jesus came. And he did everything he said he would do. The pattern is developing. We have faith when we believe God so completely that we act upon his word. Every one of those people acted upon the word of God. Abel offered a, a, a sacrifice more, acceptable, more acceptable to God. Enoch pleased God. Noah built an ark. Abraham left home. What was God told you to do? What is it that he has told you to do? Well, you might say, I've never heard his voice. I don't, I don't hear God's voice. Yes, you do. Turn in your Bibles to John 3, 7. John 3, 7. For all intents and purposes, for all, the gist of it is, you must be born again. You must be born again. So if you're going to have faith in God, faith in His Word, that's, that you must be born again, then you have to act upon it. If you might believe there is a God, but you don't want to be born again, you don't want to do it that way, you will spend the rest of eternity in hell. Why? Because God's just a big meanie and, a, and the pastor up here is a jerk because he says I'm going to hell if I don't get saved? No, because it's the truth. If you don't act upon it, put your faith in God and get saved, you will spend the rest of eternity in hell. It's just the way it is. I don't want you to. God doesn't want you to. He made provision. He did it. And he's, but he says, you must be born again. You have to do something. You have to put your faith in Christ Jesus and do it. You have to do whatever he said to do. You, don't turn, you can turn there later, mark it down. Mark 16, 16. It says, be baptized. Well, I don't want to be baptized. I don't want to get ducked out of water. I don't care. It wasn't option B. It wasn't option C. 
He said, you must be born again and you must get baptized. Be baptized. It's the right thing to do. Then obey. If you've been holding off because it just doesn't fit into your plans, you're wrong. You have to do something. You actually have to get baptized. If you haven't been baptized, and you're thinking, well, I'm getting old now. See, I've made it this far. Stop resisting the Holy Spirit. Get baptized. Next, next week, we can have a baptism. We can do it, we can do it tomorrow. If you want to get baptized, get, obey. Do it. First Corinthians 15.34. Just mark it down. I'll tell you what it says. Stop sinning. Stop sinning. Stop sinning. Sinning. I'm looking at him because I know he's not. I mean, he's just, he's so pure. <laughs> that means you got to do something. What does it mean? Stop doing that. Whatever that is. I don't know. Obey him. Well, I can't. I, I know. We don't. God, help me. Help me. Help me. I have said, God, help me so many times in the past 35 years. God, help me. Please help me. Because I can't stop doing that. And then one, all, of, all of a sudden one day, huh, I notice I haven't done that in a while. Then pride arises and I do it again. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Help me. I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. I, I don't want to do that anymore. Help me. Help me to not do that. And then I say, it's a longer period of time I haven't done it. Okay. It's his mercy. It's his grace. But stop it. The Bible, the Bible is full of things that he tells us to do. And then the biggie. Here's the one that's going to mess with you. Ephesians 4.16. It talks about being involved in the kingdom work. It is God's plan for you to be involved in kingdom work. It's involved, he has a plan for you to be involved in this end day. And that, that plan is marked out in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That's that 1616 I was just talking about. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. I don't want to cast out demons. That's weird. You don't get a choice. Get ready to cast out demons. Get ready to cast out demons. Well, I, I, I don't, I'm from Minnesota. I don't cast out demons. <laughs> I don't care. He gets to make the plan. You're supposed to do it. I'm supposed to do it. We are all, because we are all those who believe. He didn't say all the pastors will cast out demons. Whoo, that gets the rest of us off the hook. No, he said all who believe will cast out demons. See, why? That's two sermons now in the last three weeks that I've been talking about demons. Will he please stop talking about demons? No, because there are people that you know that are afflicted by demons. That's not politically correct. I don't care. It's being politically correct. It's being, it's being wimpy on this stuff. It's the reason there are way more people filled with the devil. If we were doing, if the kingdom was doing what we're supposed to do, If, oh, see? 
I'll say it generically. If people had kicked the demon out of a number of our politicians, back when they had the chance, we wouldn't be dealing with the outcome of what they're doing. Fill in whatever politician you would like to into that. <laughs> they will speak in new tongues. I don't want to speak in tongues. I don't. I did this, that's just weird, okay? It just this sounds like baby. I don't care. I don't care. God doesn't care. He didn't say, if you would like to, you'll speak in other tongues. If it fits your agenda, speak in tongues. No, he doesn't say that. He says, if you believe, you will speak in tongues. I didn't grow up in a church that speaks in tongues. I, that's just, you know, I don't know about that. I don't care. I grew up in a church where they don't speak in tongues. They, they think it's of the devil. I had somebody tell me it's of the devil. And I said, but it's in the Bible. How, I mean, it, it talks about believers speaking in tongues. How could it say they, spoke, they, they got saved, they got baptized, they spoke in other tongues? How can it say that if it's of the devil? Somebody's wrong, and it's not the Bible. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. You should be speaking in tongues every day. If you haven't spoken tongues in more than a day, get on it. Today on the way home, don't wait. If you want to start right now, go right ahead. I'm not going to frown upon it. Evidence of speaking in tongues. Do it on the way home today. Do it washing the dishes. Do it watching. Can you do it watching the Packer game? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you have to. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. I've been a Viking fan. It just with the Vikings, this kind only come out by fern fasting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I hear you. They will pick up serpents with their hands oh, and they'll drink any deadly poison. Well, if you happen to drink deadly poison, it'll ca- take care of it. Don't do it on purpose, please. Please don't do that on purpose. That's tempting the Lord. It will not hurt. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. If you believe, you will lay hands on the sick. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This last week, and I end with this. This last week I was uh, in touch with the Logans. The Logans all say hi. They miss everybody. They really miss our church. They've been going to all the big fancy churches down there. They miss our church. It's the best one. I know. It's just that easy. And they've been listening to the sermons online. So everybody, right right now, because they listen to our sermons, everybody say, Logans, we miss you. Logans, we miss you. One more time, Logans, we love you. Logans, we love you. They were all smiling when they did it, John and Jen, just so you know. They, they meant it. But they've been listening to the sermons, and they heard the sermon last week where I mentioned that we're going to be having healing school in December. We're going to have three weeks of healing school. Now, whether it continues on, it's up to the Lord, but it, we're going to have healing school. 
And Jen texted me and she said, I see, I heard about healing school. Is there a text? Is there a, a book that we're going to be using? And is there any homework? And I immediately wrote back, yes, the text is the Bible. <laughs> and the homework is go into all the world and preach the gospel. <laughs> and she wrote back, refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But that's it, isn't it? That's what it is. It isn't about, okay, we need to have a, t- you know, we're going to have this t- t- and do this worksheet and do this worksheet and now we're going to do, No. We're going to talk about, we're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. And this is what happened in the Bible and this is how they did it. Okay, your homework this week is to find at least one person to lay your hands on and pray for them. I don't know if I can do that. Just do it. Just do it. It doesn't, what is it going to hurt? I could tell you story after story and I will. I'll tell you all kinds of stories of times when, when the Lord said, do this and I just did it. There's some where I've seen, the, the, I've seen a result. There's some where I walked away going, I'm going to have to believe by faith. I don't know. But you just do it. But I've heard. There's been time, I can tell you story after story, of people who have been healed miraculously. Deb's grandmother. Horrible lesions in her colon. I couldn't see him. She was sick. She just could she, she was telling us that it was sick. The doctor was going, there. wasn't it lesions? Lesions in the colon. It was, but it was, it was whatever it was. And she was bleeding inside. And we were at a family reunion, family get-together. And we're sitting there, and the Holy, and she came out of the room, and she looked bad. She looked really bad. And, I, and the Holy Spirit says, pray for her. I thought, okay. Oh, Lord, bless her. Just he said, no. I said, lay hands on her and pray for her right now. Tell her she's, declare healing over her body. And I'm looking around the room going, you have got to be kidding me. Because all of Deb's uncles were there, and I like these guys. I don't want to be a. I don't want to be weird in front. And the Holy Spirit said, "I don't care if you want to be weird." I said, "Get up and lay hands on her. Pray for her." Ah, okay. Whoo! All right. So, Grandma Ann, I hear you're not feeling well. Oh, John, I feel I am so sick. She goes, "I just I can't. I don't have any energy. I'm just I'm so sick." I said, "Can I pray for you right now?" Absolutely. I've never had a person tell me they wouldn't want me to pray for them. Not once. And if you've ever done that, if you've ever asked anybody, I, I, it is so far, I, I've never had, maybe because I'm big, they're just going, yeah, please, to do anything, just don't hit me. <laughs> but I've never had a single person say, no, don't pray for me. I've had atheists say, okay, sure. I had one guy tell me, he says, what's it going to hurt? And he got healed. Prayed for Grandma Ann. Afterwards, I said, how do you feel? And she goes, no, I don't feel any better. (laughs) Wonderful. Oh, God. We went home. She still wasn't feeling good. Monday or Tuesday of the next week, she went to her doctor. Her doctor put the scope, you know, did the whole scope thing, did all the tests, and she came out, and he says, they're all gone. They're all gone. He goes, that is a miracle. Her uncles called Deb, or texted her, I can't remember how they contacted, said, that was a miracle. Within days, I mean, within two days, they were completely gone. Lay hands on the sick. They will recover. Well, what, don't I have to do something first? Yes, believe. Obey. Obey, yeah. So we're going to start doing that. We're not waiting for a thunderclap. We're not waiting for a, a, a trumpet sound. We're, we're going to do what the Word says. We could have done it from day one. We're supposed to be doing it all along. So, 
I'm not even waiting until December. Your, your assignment this week is to find somebody to pray for, lay hands on them, and pray for them. Amen. Well, what if? I don't care. It's not up to you to what if. It's up to us to be obedient. It wasn't commended unto them because of the result. It was commended on, unto them because of their faith. They did something. Just do it. Just do it. Step out by faith. Please stand. Faith is doing it. It's too bad Nike already has the logo, the, th- the, the slogan. Father, we do thank you for this week. Give us the, the boldness to, to step out, to have faith, and to operate in it. Thank you, Father. Each and every one of these is just like the 300. We could turn around and go back if we want to. We could, our lifestyle could just be, exempt us from it, but Lord, I pray for forgiveness. I pray for mercy. I pray for the eyes of each and every one of us to have our, our eyes open to your truth. And then, Lord, give us the boldness. The, the disciples prayed for boldness. And so, Father, this morning, I pray for boldness that each and every one of us steps out and by faith obeys you and does what you said to do. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.